0: Well, one of the things that uh, I've discovered, especially having more more speakers most recently, is just the difference in styles and personalities. It's really interesting to hear other people speak and then go back and listen to me and go, oh, man, you, you're always really critical of yourself. Um, but at the same time, you kind of discover kind of who you are and how you teach or preach or whatever. And I think what I've discovered is uh, I guess a lot of, of what I like to teach are questions that I have. I come from a why. I always why. And even before I got saved, I was kind of a why guy. Like, why, do, why does everybody do the things that they do? Why? I was always curious about things. When I was little, I would take everything apart. My mom hated it, but I would take everything. I didn't always put it back together, but I would always take it apart. So if I got a toy, I would take the motors out, and I would figure out how they worked, and I would try to make something else out of it. But I always want to know how everything worked and, and, uh, and why everyone did the things that they did. Uh, uh, like I said last week, I'm not a creeper, but I do like to watch people sometimes because it's kind of (laughs) funny. It's 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 usually entertaining. It can be it can be encouraging. It can be depressing. You just never know what you're going to get when you watch people. But I'm always curious in why people act the way they do and why they do what they do. And and it didn't change when I when I began to after I was born again and began to understand um, and read through Scripture. I was having to play catch up. I was 20 when I got saved and. I had never really read the Bible. I didn't know much but, but just hearsay of, of Christianity or church or the Bible, and so everything was fresh and new to me, and I was really excited. And And uh, a lot of what I did is I, I, I did as much reading as I could, but I listened to a lot of pastors that were preaching, which was not bad, and I learned a lot from them, but I also learned some, some bad habits and some more... Uh, some more i guess you'd say ritualistic or religious practices that weren't necessarily in scripture and there were some real common ideas and so i tackle a lot of those and that that seems to be some of i guess my style or the way that i teach and so same thing about question everything i want to question what is this and what does it look like and a lot of the times when i when i do i end up finding that some of the things that i was taught were right and were really good and some of them were way off like way way off and and i thought and and i always question i question myself well I can't, I can't be getting something that these people who are much more intelligent than me did not get. Um, and then I go back and see how even a child could get it. And I go, okay, maybe I do get it. And they're overthinking it. Um, and so, wh- where I ended up and what I've been thinking about and praying about and talking about all week is uh, where to gold at. That's what I named this sermon. Where to gold at. Y'all remember the Crichton Leprechaun? Nobody? Just me? Come on, guys. Where to gold at? Treasures in heaven is what it's really called, but I like where to gold at better. Treasures in heaven. What do you guys think treasures in heaven are? We're going to have a little bit of a discussion today. We may get a mic out here in a minute, but I'm going to throw some stuff out. What do you think treasures in heaven are? What have you heard? What have you heard treasures in heaven? Okay, yeah, yeah, let's back up, back up. Because y'all might get to the end and i got nothing to say. What, what, do you, what do you think some, maybe some misconceptions, or what have you heard, or what's a, maybe a politically correct uh, Christianese version? Of what, are, what are treasures in heaven? Stars in your crown. Stars in your crown. Where does that come from? Does anybody know? Because I looked, and I couldn't find that. I, I could not find anything that specifically said we will get.
1: You've got, it, it's, a, it's a combination. You've got the. Um,
0: I saw a crown. You
1: have a picture of, of Christ before the glassy sea, and all the saints throw their.
0: Right. Crown I saw that.
1: Okay. So then you, there are other crowns that have stars in them, and it's generally accepted that the more stars that are in the the stars are, so the idea is and it's, it's like if you listen to someone explain it they grab a bunch of scriptures
0: and, and piece them together, it's, it's a leap together. that's all I could find was a huge leap
1: And exactly, but yeah that's where that comes from, and the idea is specifically the more people you get to walk down the aisle sign more pledge card,
0: the more jewels are- the,
1: more, the more jewels or stars are in your crown, and the happier you
0: on that day, so that
1: you have more to give back to Jesus when you throw your crown before the and see, That's your
0: treasure. And that's what I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot. That and also kind of a merit system of, of even good deeds that we do, even beyond soul saved, but it even would be good deeds. You are Baptist enough. I was. about work? How about how many people you get to walk down the aisle even if that isn't work? Because that's not work. That's a saving souls. <laughs> Baptist. Now. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. But what I, what I do know is, and I searched a lot because I wanted to find out. And I couldn't find any, any correlation to any of those things. And, and we've talked about it here before. If, if that was the case, and like I said, I, I try to take everything to, as far as I can to its end, then it would ultimately be selfish ambition. If, if we're trying to gain, it's almost like as if like we could be poor here and rich there kind of idea, or we can sacrifice here but then gain something there. What was kind of six what, what have us in the other, you know what I mean? Rich here, poor there, poor here, rich there. To me, it was like none of this, none of this seems very logical to me. Not that everything is completely logical, but this didn't make any sense at all. And so I couldn't find anything exactly like that. So I began to really, really study treasures, and there's lots of scriptures about treasures. Um, And and we'll go through some, too. But I wanted to hear, you know, have y'all heard something similar to that? No? Anybody else? Have y'all heard anything else, anything different? Oh, we got a mic. Sorry.
2: Um, So I've heard... heard basically along the same lines, but I, I think I've heard it like connected with that scripture where it talks about our works will be judged and um, if if they're meaningless then it's gonna, you know, be hay and straw and be burned up in the fire. And if if they're of value then we'll be given gold and jewels and and everything for our crown.
0: Well the one the I'd have to find that one. The other one I found about burning of fire was talking about a foundation because I did look that one up to see if it talked about that. And it was the one that people say, like, you get into heaven by the skin of your teeth. I can't remember where it is, but I did look it up. Um, but really, when you look at that scripture in its context, it was just talking about Christ being the foundation. Basically saying, once you have Christ, you're going to make it regardless. It would be dumb to not, not, to not and I'm skipping a little bit ahead, um, but it would be ignorant to, to try to build up treasures on earth that are just going to burn. They, don't, they won't transition over once we die, basically. And that's all it said was, he's the foundation. And if you build on that foundation, you can build basically a crappy house or a good house. And if it's a crappy house, it'll be burned up. And if it's a good house, it'll carry on. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself for treasures here, but that was the one. You, that one reminded me of it. But um, I have to find. I have to find that one and look over that one too. But as far as as far as treasures go, I really want to discover what treasures were exactly. What is a treasure? Um, and and how do we get treasures? And t- and to me, when I started thinking of treasures. Treasures are found. Treasures aren't really earned anyway. So treasure is found, and in lots of instances, treasures were found, and somebody sold everything they had to go. They, it was very valuable, and so there was a lot of emphasis on value in the treasure, but it was never real specific. The same way the kingdom, when the kingdom's preached, it's not real specific. And I think we, one of our main issues is we're in in our physical in our physical form. I'll try to get too kooky too quick. In our physical form, we're very limited by what we see, feel, touch, by our senses, right? So when we start talking about... Um, treasures in heaven I think our default is to think that heaven is very far away right and that we have to die to get there that's a pretty common view um, I think that was one of the most crippling things to me growing up and, and going to churches was the goal was to get to heaven and so there were there was no there's nothing for me now like good luck with life you just need to do these things so that you can get to heaven one day yeah okay, so can- hang on Mike. we got a mic
3: so like you and I have talked about before, you know, I didn't really grow up in church. I mean, we kind of went to church, but I didn't really understand it all that much. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> all of those ideas, you know, the whole, I, and, and I guess my question for you is when you did your searching and it, you talked about treasures, I've always felt that when they use the word treasure and people actually think of treasure, that it's been taken out of context. Because if you look at it in scripture, that's not what Jesus is talking about at all. Yeah. And he he uses the word, but it's trying to give an example of what the other
0: is, yeah,
3: and so I mean, am I jumping ahead or
0: no well, a little bit, but it's fine. I mean, we can go there, I don't care <laughs> okay. not like I'm that organized anyway, yeah,
3: so that, I mean that's my that's my point is is you can't take all that out of context, and not only that, but then you know Jesus said, "I have come so you have may have life you may have life here more abundantly, yeah, so to me it's almost like yeah, I don't know the way I've you know, everybody here knows my experience over the last couple of years. And uh, the scripture that, you know, talks about, you'll have houses and, and hundreds of houses. I mean, to me, that's all of us. And so I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if my me or my family have any needs, well, I'm assuming y'all are going to take care of me. <laughs> <laughs> we will, Bill. That's what we're supposed to do, you know, and I feel the same way. And so,
0: I don't know. Well, you, I don't think anybody should get caught up on the whole idea of treasure. Well, you 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 are skipping ahead a bit, but the definition. Does anybody know the Greek definition of treasure? <laughs> I didn't. It, me, it messed up my whole sermon. I had it all planned out, and then I looked it up, and I was like, I oh, hurt a little bit." I'm sunburned. <laughs> uh, the the definition in the Greek is basically storehouse. So it's not even the thing, but it's actually the the all it's it's. It's more com- it's more complex, but more simple. It, it's uh, it's not just things. It is it is, and it's 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 much more beautiful, to be honest. So it's not so so. Treasures actually means storehouse. So it kind of goes along with the whole house thing. It goes along with the kingdom thing that we already understand. So let me back up so we can go forward. Uh, so we talk about the kingdom of heaven or heaven, um, heavens, and here. Let's see if we can start here.
2: So. Jesus when he was here said the kingdom of heaven is here. Right. And then he went away and then he's saying your treasure is in heaven. So
0: He came is back. Is he not
2: the treasure? Yeah. And right? I don't know. Wait, what's the question? Is he the treasure?
0: Is Jesus the treasure? Yeah. 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 You nailed it. yeah. At the be- remember, <laughs> this is fun. Re-
1: remember what we have primarily? defined through Scripture as a series of covenants. Yeah. And, and now we are living in the superior covenant. Uh-huh. And we also know that God is consistent throughout. But he told Abram at the beginning of the first covenant, he said, fear not, Abram, I will be your shield and your exceedingly great reward. The definition of the value received is we receive God himself. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So the promise... That Abram received from God, I will be your exceedingly great reward, was fulfilled in Jesus. And so the if heaven is on earth, it is God with us. And so our treasure is our reward, which is the relationship with the Father.
0: Yes. Did so
1: I skip to the end?
0: No, you skipped to the middle. So we're still good. We're still good. I love it when y'all preach my message for me. This is fun. Seriously, like this is awesome. Think about this for a minute before uh, somebody else. We got somebody else. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me let me get to this and then uh, we'll go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You might get to it before me. That's cool.
2: <laughs> I, I'm just reminded every time we talk about this about the prodigal story when the father said to the oldest son, "All that I have is yours." Yeah. And if you, I used to think, what should we have? but I started thinking, what does God have? And that's where you're blown away.
0: Yeah. Man, that's good. Right. Soak up that a little bit. Here, and those go to, those go hand in hand, what you guys both just said. To get to that place, um, <clears throat> if we step out of time and space for a moment, we realize that heaven's not some far off distant place, and the reason, and, and the, the uh, Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So where's the Holy Spirit? It's with us, right? So the kingdom of heaven is where? It's with us. So when we re- this, is where, this is where it all comes together and it starts making sense to me when I ask all those why questions. It, it, okay, now if, this changes everything. I mean, everything. If now we're not climbing this ladder, basically this, this merit-based system or this good deed ladder to get to heaven, if we realize that Jesus came and he said, my kingdom is at hand, it's right here in front of you, and he even said it's within us, Kingdom of Heaven will be here. So he didn't just he died for our sins. Yes, but then we don't stop there. He rose, he ascended, he came back, and he gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit encompasses the Kingdom of Heaven. It's the whole temple thing we've talked about. God and man together, they're they're intertwined. It's like it's like DNA. It's like together. So when you when you're born again, now you're it's God with us. Just like you were saying, so this is the the reality now that we operate from, not towards. So when we realize where Heaven is, where where our spirit is, when we think about dying a physical death, it's just a transition, where we get a new body, but our spirit continues on. Does that make sense? So when we when we find this inter, intertwined, I guess this this life, this treasure in Christ. Okay, let me back up a little bit. What was the problem? What was the issue that we needed Jesus for? What did we, what was our problem? Death, sin. What did that cause? What was our issue though? Separation from God. That was our problem. We were separated from God. We needed to get back to God. Jesus made that possible. So we're restored, right? So the goal for the Christian is restored relationship with the Father. It's not just to go to heaven. Heaven's a natural byproduct of the king who we now are in fellowship with. Okay? We following along? So now when we're born again, we're, our relationship with the Father is now reinstated through Christ Jesus. So now what is in our hearts is essentially the kingdom of heaven is in our hearts. So now this is the place we operate from when we talk about treasures. Where, do we, where are the treasures? Where, where does, I haven't even got to the scripture yet. I got eight pages of scriptures talking about treasure, and we, I hope we get to them. They're really good. Um, let, let's get to some. Let's just hit in some scriptures real quick, and then we'll, we'll get back to discussing it. Um, this is the, the first verse that really got me thinking was Matthew six nineteen. This is the one a lot of people take out and just talk about and don't look at it in its context. Matthew six nineteen says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, Store up your, for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moss and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a big clue right there. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also, because your treasure, the treasure is in your heart. Because you will want those treasures, because your heart will desire those same treasures. When God says, "I will give you all of your all the desires of your heart," how can He do that? He's not talking about things. He knows what your real desires are, and they're of Him. His desires are your desires now. So when He says, I will give you all the desires of your heart. He's not saying I'll give you a big house and a nice car. Um, he's saying, I know what you really want and I know what you really need. And it's not just a house and a car. Those things are good, but they're not as good as what I can give you. And so when 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 we talk about treasures and we talk about storehouses, it's it's like a natural progression to see the kingdom again. It keeps drawing us back. You can't get away from it. <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's much more much more multifaceted than we can think of as just being things or uh, things that we do or things that we can attain. Does that make sense? It's, it's much much greater than that. Um, I'm not gonna get, I had some things that were some rebuttals that you could kind of argue back and forth, people talk about, um, but I'm not gonna get into those because we don't have time and it's, it's not really worth, it. I'm not trying to argue. Um, it, does, it, it takes zero faith to operate um, from law or rules and regulations. It, it takes zero faith to operate. It's pretty black and white, right? Do this, don't do that. Do right, don't do wrong, right? It's pretty straightforward. Uh, law is, is pretty clear and does not, it takes zero faith to operate in that system. It's very difficult to do, but it takes zero faith to do it. Um, but it takes a lot of faith to operate from, from a, an unseen realm, essentially. That's where faith comes in. <laughs> faith says, what I see may not necessarily be reality. That takes faith. What I see in this person or these people or these situations um, are, are not necessarily what the kingdom is manifesting here. That takes faith. That takes faith to see someone who is who is, who is crushed or crashing and burning and saying, okay, this person, I'm, there's going to be redemption here. Because logically, it doesn't make any sense. The same thing I've told you guys. Logically, statistically, I should... I should have done a lot of things that my father did because that's just what usually happens. You you can you can look at you know I didn't have a dad in the house. I I, I had a lot of bad stuff growing up and I saw a lot of bad things. Statistically, I should I should at least lean towards those tendencies. Um, and in other situations, are the same. But when you when you lay the kingdom, when you lay uh, when you lay the reality of of an unseen realm in those in those places, I don't know how to put this. It's like, it's like divinity crashing in. <laughs> it's like God crashing into our reality and, and shifting things. It doesn't, it doesn't overturn everything that's around it, but it's real specific in what it does. And very good. I mean, God's really good at what he does. And when we, when we, when we yield, I guess you could say, when we yield to what the Lord is telling us to, to do and to see in people in these situations... Now, we reciprocate the love the Father gives us to other people. Now, if I'm going to read this all the way through Matthew 6, from 1 all the way. I may skip a few just to save time. I'll kind of go over it pretty quick. All the way, I think, to 34. Now, I read this in several different versions. NIV is what I cut my teeth on when I first got saved. Um, but I've, I've really enjoyed seeing uh, Eugene Peterson's version of the message. Um, speaking of Greek, he just... He, it gives a more colorful representation, I think, of some of the Greek words in here, especially um, the eyes. He calls windows, which is a more uh, a better version of of what they were talking about with uh, with eyes back then. The, the Jews would recognize it; we wouldn't recognize. So he calls windows here, which makes a lot more sense. Um, so I'll try to be as brief as possible, but I want to read all the way through this. I don't think there's anything wrong with being scripture heavy today. We need to read it. So in its context, we read six nineteen, but let's read it all the way through. Verse uh, verse 1 says, be especially careful. This is for the message. Be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure. Play actors, I call them, treating prayer meetings and street corner alike as a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, but that's all they'll get. Uh, the other version says they'll receive the reward in full. When you, when you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly and, and unobtrusively. That is the way your God who conceived you in love working behind the scenes helps you out. Stop there. You see, the this isn't just uh, cause and effect. This is what we talk about receiving agape love and giving it out. So I'm going to back up a little bit. He says, when you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. So the way that he helps us out is the way we should help other people out. Um, verse 5, it says, And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom, do you think, do you think God has, sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God. Listen to that. That's a key there, too. That's how our prayer should look. The focus will shift from you to God, and you'll begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. (laughs) They're full of formulas and programs and advice peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Listen to that, forgetting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this, and it goes into our father, the prayer that most of us know. Now listen, the second verse in that says, your kingdom come and your will be done. Every every prayer you pray should be in essence, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every prayer we pray should be that in essence, because that's what we're doing. When we pray, we are asking God to intervene and have His kingdom crash into our reality. We're saying, "Lord, I want in this situation, I want it to be as though it is in heaven." We pray for healing; there's no sickness in heaven, so we want healing in this body. When we pray for a reconciliation; there's no there's no separation from us, so we pray for reconciliation on earth as it is in heaven. So every prayer we pray is a is a heaven crashing into earth prayer. We may say it differently, in different ways, and different versions, and different things. If we want to put that in, in perspective, that's what we're praying when we pray for anybody, and for anything. When we pray for anything that we're dealing with, we're praying, I want it to be as though it's in heaven right now. And and it, and it goes on, and there's there's much more there that obviously we don't have time to get into, but it goes to the whole prayer. Um, verse 14 says, in prayer there is a connection. Listen to this. There's a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. Stop there. Once again, this is not a cause and result thing. This is an interwoven thing. By default, when you receive forgiveness from God, you forgive other people. If you don't forgive other people by default, you haven't received forgiveness because you didn't you, didn't, you possess that kind of forgiveness before. You may forgive people on a merit-based system. You may forgive people in a conditional or what I call kind of a hustle. No, man, I don't mind. You know, you'll get me later kind of thing. You owe me. I don't say you owe me, but you owe me. And every time you see me, you're going to think about it. I may not say it, but you owe me something. Now he's saying, "Listen, by default, you will operate from a place because I've given you something that you couldn't have on your own. You operate from a realm that you you don't you're not living in currently." So he's saying, "Listen, when when you forgive people, you are ushering heaven and earth." When you love people, you are demonstrating what heaven looks like. When you walk around, you're a walking, talking temple of holiness. You you are creating atmospheres of heaven everywhere you go, little pockets of heaven everywhere. We did it when I had the little drawing board to demonstrate that. You are creating pockets of heaven on earth. Yes. Yeah.
2: I heard John Paul Jackson tell a story about this um. He had a dream, and there was this woman in his dream, and she was having a really bad day, and she was grumbling, complaining everywhere she went, and nothing was working out the way she wanted it to, and she was, so she was moving, and uh, from one side of town to the other side of town, and she kept getting, she couldn't, she missed her exit, and um, she ended up having to go into a grocery store she's never been in before, and she was unfamiliar with, and and she was just in a really piss poor mood. And Sean Paul Jackson, he says he's, every every time she walked into like she walked into this grocery store, he could hear demons screaming and screeching in terror. And you wouldn't think that they would because she was just all in, in the flesh, you know. But her presence affected atmospheres. And so she got up to the cashier, and um, and the cashier responded to what was in her, whether she realized it or not. And she was able to minister to this cashier. And anyway... Telling it very well, but that's
0: <laughs> you get the point. Yeah, well, the the reality of heaven, um, if if we if we really understand, if we really grasp it, should should change everything about our lives. I mean, it should affect every little piece of our lives. We pray in here every Sunday. Listen, Holy Spirit, lead us in everything that we do, from the fish fry to the from, from greeting to children's church to nursery to everything that we do. When when we look at things from a heavenly perspective, it, it changes the way we act and react to everyone around us. It essentially changes who we are. I mean, that seems pretty simplistic, but it really does. Um, I'm going to try to get try to get all the way through this. I don't want to. I know y'all are hungry, and we got fish back there. Um, I'm going to I'm going to read fast. so listen fast. Verse 19. Don't hoard treasures down here where it gets eaten by moss and corroded by rust, or, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile. Treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you, if you open your eyes wide and wonder in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. Now listen to this. If you open your eyes up wide and wonder in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed, in greed and distrust, basically with no, no real trust in relationships, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. Let's stop there. We kind of got to the middle about how ultimately it, ultimately Christ is the reward. Christ is the, the reward. Christ is the treasure. Christ is the ultimate treasure, is, is the ultimate reward. Hands down, no comparison. But there is obvious, there is, there is more treasures that it talks about here than just that. That's the problem I ran into. I know that Christ is a treasure. I know when I get to heaven, that's what we're going to be focused on. No question there. But why does he keep talking about these other treasures? I want to know what these other treasures are. Why would he go into all these details and talk about these treasures? I think the key is part of what he's talking about in the Greek, which is a storehouse, going back to the houses that Bill was talking about with all the people. I think the treasures are relationships. I think the treasures are relationships because that's the only thing that will transcend into eternity. You can't bring anything with you. You can't bring cars, or jet skis, and I love the jet ski, but I'm not bringing it with me. You can't bring you can't bring anything with you when you when you when you transition from this natural life into eternity. The only thing that I believe you're going to see is other people and relationships you've either you've either helped, and it kind of goes back to the the beginning of the thing we talk about jewels and crowns. Now maybe it is salvations, maybe it is people that you've brought into reconciliation with God, and I don't have any problem with that. But I don't believe it's a merit system, and where we're going to have a bigger mansion than somebody else. That doesn't fit with anything else that. Through Scripture, I don't think that people that, um, people that either, however you want to call it, one more souls or, or or brought, I'll say, brought people into reconciliation. I I believe those will be jewels, but I think that the relationships themselves will be the jewels, not just that we will gain something from it when we get there. Does that make sense? It's the joy because it said right there that the kingdom of heaven is the the joy, the peace, and the righteousness in the Holy Spirit. So. To me, that all wrapped up together is the rewards that we're going to get, and and there were uh, I was talking to somebody about it, and they mentioned something about well I don't think we're going to know people because there's some scripture that talks about wives know other husbands. And I was like, okay, let me find it, and I found it. It was the and I didn't have time to get to it, but y'all probably read it. The 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 Sadducees or the Pharisees were trying to challenge Jesus. Okay, well this guy died and this guy had this many wives. Well, whose wife is going to be in heaven? And all Jesus did say, well, he wasn't saying that you won't recognize or you won't know your wife or husband. Basically, he said you guys have no idea what you're talking about when you get to heaven it's not going to be like it is here we won't take people in marriage or or not in marriage it's just going to be different as all he was saying it's not going to be the same as it is here and so i believe you very much there was and i could give you a list if you want to get with me after there's a list of where plenty of people recognize people when they we rec- or people recognize jesus when he came back with his heavenly body it took them a little bit and oh think about this they recognized it in the spirit it took them a little while but then they're like okay no i recognize you in the spirit and that was probably par- that was paramount for the Disciples probably to start getting that because they were so. Good.
1: Transfiguration. I, I, I promise they had never seen Moses in their
0: life. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They recognize him. That was one of the things on the list that I made. Yeah. We we will. I think we will very much recognize each other when we get there. I have no doubt. Why? And, and here's another reason. Why would you, Why would Jesus spend so much time talking about loving one another if we wouldn't recognize each other when we get there? Once again, I'm not taking. It's not taking a. Jesus isn't taking a second place to that. Just like he said, this is t- this is tied together. When he says all, when he says the, 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 when they kept challenging about the the greatest commandments, "Love the Lord your God with all your what heart with all your mind with all your strength, love your neighbors yourself and they go these go together <laughs> It's not one or the other these aren't mutually exclusive these are these are in, they can't be separated and so I believe that the I guess the lowercase treasures compared to the uppercase treasure of just being with Jesus will be those relationships where we've either we've either reconciled people to God because we have the ministry of reconciliation now where we can actually tell people that their sins are forgiven and their sins are forgiven when they believe it or just genuine relationship we get to see people we get to be like oh this is awesome hey chris what's up man <laughs> this is great <laughs> you know what i mean this it doesn't seem that complicated to me to see that because every bit of what jesus did was said the same thing to take care of people to love people to to, to care for them and so to me the same thing people talk about on their deathbed you don't you're not asking, man. I wish I had more stuff on my deathbed. I wish I had more people here. I wish I could fellowship and, and laugh, right? We spent we spent all day on the river yesterday and everything fell apart. Like it was crazy. <laughs> Our air condition went out, five o'clock in the morning. I got at least 50 people coming over. Air conditioned. I'm not gonna work anymore. <laughs> and that's completely out of my control. I'm trying to call people, get the AC fixed. A few people come over, the gate gets open. Our dogs run out. I mean they're gone. <sighs> I don't have to feed any dogs anymore, but I gotta break it to the kids. <laughs> you know, this is this is tough. People are gonna show up. So I got to look for the dog and I back my new company truck into a tree. <laughs> Bust my tail It's like one thing after another. I'm not gonna go on, but there was lots of other crazy things that happened. But <laughs> do what? Okay, so William said no go on, but I gotta make a point real quick. Neither one of my boys mentioned that there were any problems at all. That's what I'm getting to. You're skipping again. You're skipping ahead. <laughs> you know what I remember from yesterday? I don't remember the hot house as much. I don't remember the dogs as much. We found the dogs, by the way. Air condition got fixed late that night. Um, I don't remember any of that. What I remember is seeing those kids. Well, I've got a crick in my neck, it reminds me. Seeing the kids looking back, screaming and laughing on those tubes when we were pulling them. That's what I remember. That's, I, I remember seeing kids that, that haven't done that before and it was their first time having that experience and laughing and screaming and having fun. That brings joy to me. That is a treasure that can't be taken away, that rust can't get to, and that moth can't destroy. That I, th- I believe that carries on. We laughed, we played, we had fun, we enjoyed our day. I didn't say a thee or a thou, and I didn't pray that I can recall. I hope somebody prayed over the food. I didn't even see it. I was down at the river all day. But I think that's the treasure. I think relationship is the true treasure. If we if we think of any jewels, I mean, obviously. And I say this all the time, there's not much value in gold if they're just paving streets with it. <laughs> so I think the, the most valuable thing we have is the relationships that we build, and I think that's all that's going to transcend. I think that's all that's not going to be burned up. Yeah? So I think it's important, and this is maybe the next step in this whole
3: conversation, is there really is no problem between Paul and James, faith versus works. It's all the same thing.
0: It's just from instead of towards. That's all it is. It's understanding that, when, we, when, like we talked about after worship, when we realize our true identity, we begin to operate from that place. If we're trying, if we're trying to get somewhere, that's the thing. If we're trying to get somewhere that we're not, we're, you're going to be perpetually frustrated, and you're not going to have anything to share but perpetual frustration with people. But when you realize that Christ has done it, that the work is finished in your heart, now our minds take a while to catch up. When we realize that, I and mean, you're okay with it, now you can begin to actually minister to people. Grace frees up all your time, I promise you. It's going to give you lots of free time. Yes, Rick. Hang on, we got a mic coming up, sneaking up behind you. All right.
4: A lot of times we think in terms of righteousness or works or acts of goodness that they're ours. Now, in the sense of being human, they are, but where do they come from? And the true. Uh, things that won't be burned away so to speak are the things that come from the heart that you trust by faith in God that it, it's going to be a, like a seed that pl- is planted forever it grows for eternity and we get to see that And then I think in terms of the crowns of righteousness which it talks about in all the, there's a number of places but it's not really our crown it might exactly. be partially our crown in the sense of our human but it's what God did through us and then the, the playing field is totally leveled at the point we give it away because we know only God gave it to us in the first That's place. Right. And he allowed us to receive that particular blessing. Yes. And I'm so thankful that this church exists. It has a, a great spirit here. And Justin, and I really appreciate all the things you're bringing out.
0: Thank you, Rick. Well, and and springboarding that, I'm going to finish this up real quick. Verse 27, it says, Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? (laughs) All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much of a difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, do you think... Don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax. Relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. Let me say that again. Relax. Don't be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your, oh, I love this, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come come up when the time comes. And i got to give you a couple testimonies real quick. Um, I talked to the Turners this morning. They were having some issues. It's like air conditions break when it gets really hot. There were some air condition issues. They had done some work for somebody, and they weren't expecting a, a, a payment for it. Uh, Andrew wasn't, and so he didn't ask for payment and never came, so it wasn't a big deal. Well, then out of nowhere, like way later on down the line, their air condition breaks, and they get payment for work that he had done a long time ago, and they needed that money for the air condition to get fixed. It was God's timing, and it was perfect. Same thing with us. I started going to the doctor, and we got off this cruise trying to figure out what was going on with me. It's like every test is a $200 copay, $200 copay, $200 copay. I'm like, y'all are $200 copaying me to death. We got a kickback from we overpaid for the house that we sold. They sent us like two hundred ninety something dollars that we overpaid on the last mortgage payment or whatever. And then someone here don't, gave us a hundred dollars, and that was um, that was two of those. Uh, I had three or four tests. but That was two or three of those tests paid for right there, right off the. I mean, it happened like as soon as we got those bills to pay those copays. So, listen, God is active. <laughs> he is He is working in and through you all the time, and so it's 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 His timing that we need to be in tune with. Not ours. If we focus on, and this was some some discussions I get in with other people, if we focus on sin and problems and circumstances. You will be at those mercies. You'll be at the mercy of those things. If we focus on the solution, which is Christ. Then you're at mercy at, at what He has to give you. And He says right here, "Chill out, <laughs> relax. I got this. You you can calm down now. Look at the lilies. Look at the birds. They're not they're not they don't have you know a a, a game plan. They just get up and eat and they fly around. It's amazing." I'll, I'll end with this. This is Colossians three 2. This is one of my favorite uh, scriptures. I'm using a lot of message today, but I love the scripture and the message. Colossians three two says, "Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with things right in front of you. Look up, and be alert to what's what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. So when we recognize that that there is something else going on besides what we see, feel, touch, and hear, then we we can begin to operate from that place, not trying to gain something that we already have. We can actually see that we can we can do things that are supernatural, not of our own ability, but because we carry Christ with us everywhere we go. If we pay attention to what he's doing, then we can just freely operate from that place. It's it's so much less stress, I promise you. So much less stress. When you say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? And he says, do this. And you go, okay. Duh. I mean, this is not complicated. It's it's being receptive to what Christ is doing all the time. And not trying to over overthink everything. So, Briefly, we'll get back to the original thing. I know I skipped a bunch of stuff in here, but you guys get the point. And you guys preached most of the message, so that was cool. Um, I think the reward is, is relationship. Our restored relationship with the Father is the ultimate reward. It's the ultimate treasure. Nothing will supersede that. No problem there. I think any other reward that we see in heaven will be any any form of relationship that God wants to call it that in that treasure, in that storehouse for us, because I think it's the only thing that, that that won't be left here, that won't be burned up or left. The only thing I think that can transcend eternity. Stand with me. We'll pray, and we will get you all five loaves and two fish. I don't know if there's any loaves back there. I'll get you tartar sauce and fish. Father, we just uh, we th- we thank you for this uh, beautiful day, Lord. We thank you for, for everyone that's been working back there as, as we've we've been in here um, just enjoying the fellowship and your Word um, and your Holy Spirit, Lord. We just uh, we thank you for all those that have been back there frying fish and preparing it for us, Lord. I just thank you for their hearts for for missions for Honduras um lord that this will be will be blessing them and benefiting them and and uh, lord I, I pray for even the kids and and the team and the translators and everything that are going to be affected that this is we can just be a small part of it um lord but it's it's going to produce such a giant crop when it gets there lord that we know that that you you are already preparing those places and those hearts of those kids right now so we just thank you for that father help us to be the light lord help us to to see things the way that you see them lord to uh, Just uh, just submit ourselves to your reality and your truth and our identity in you every day and every moment of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.